Southern Skies. Online Media. Playing Crazy Down Under's coverage of the 2013 Australian International Air Show is proudly sponsored by Jet Ride Australia, Oz Runways, Red Baron Adventures and Sennheiser. In conjunction with Avplan, a classic flight bag, Eco 2000 and World Flight Planner. Well, good day, folks, and welcome back to Playing Crazy Down Under, episode 106, our uh, day six coverage of uh, Avalon 2013, and uh, we're standing out here on the deck of our uh, salubrious uh, production facility here at an Ocean Grove, which we've affectionately called the Sandpit. I'm Steve Vischer, and with me is uh, Grant McHeron, Ben Jones, and ATC Ben. Gentlemen, welcome for this uh, last episode of this series. Woo-hoo. Hey. And we're all enthusiastic. <laughs> we're all sounding a bit tired. Oh, we're barely awake, and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, I tell you what, guys, what a big week. It's been a huge week. Probably a smaller Avalon, I think, than we've uh, seen in uh, recent years, but uh, that certainly didn't uh, distract us from uh, having a a huge week of getting some fantastic content. What a series. And how, Matt, and how. Uh, Team's been run off its feet. Anthony Simmons sitting in the uh, in the media centre editing away and only coming out when we unchained him occasionally. (laughs) And, uh, you know, ATC Ben... And, you know, ATC Ben racing around with a video camera and Jonesy doing some stills, some video, and even getting to do some interviews. Yes, I did a couple of interviews over the week. It was uh, it was exciting. Now, uh, both times that you've been out on site with us, when you've uh, been over here to the eastern states, we've run you ragged. Uh, how are you enjoying working here at uh, Team PCDU? Have we put enough zeros in your paycheck yet? Yes, I'm, I'm liking the zeros in my paycheck at the moment. No, it's, it's been interesting and exciting. Hopped on the aircraft, flew over from Perth, spent the week over here, worked 18-hour days, got, you know, three, four, five hours worth of sleep, yeah. and uh, back to it. So it's been interesting, and I uh, thank you guys very much for the opportunity to uh, come over and be, you know, be part of the PCDU team at Avalon 2013. And we'll never see him again after this. Uh, note, to, <laughs> note to self, next time he comes over, find uses for that three to five hours. The bugger was sleeping. <laughs> now, ATC, Ben, uh, most times when you're here at uh, Avalon for any of the air shows, you're normally working ground crew. Uh, you think you'll be making a return to that career or shall we uh, shoehorn you into the next one? Uh, we'll have to see. And uh, it's it's the usual lull after the storm now where, where everyone goes, no, I'm not doing that ever again. <laughs> and then, of course, in 18 months' time, we all uh, get sucked into it again. So. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, now we've got to do this, 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 and I'm going to get home and I'm going to go to the office and <laughs> back, back into the normal flambe at work. And I'll tell you what, it's been a big week of making contacts and getting some uh, really good feedback from a lot of journalists and industry people that uh, I really respect, and that's been uh, very humbling and uh, very exciting at the same time. Let's get on to uh, this episode. Uh, a lot of content in this one for you all. We're going to be talking to Ryan Campbell from Teen World Flight, and as you'll hear, Ryan is uh, making an attempt in the middle of this year to be the young person to fly solo around the world and we're uh, wanting to get on board and uh, really support him in that. We also had uh, another member of our team, Anthony Crichton-Brown, jet in quickly from Sydney. We should say Captain Anthony Crichton-Brown now, shouldn't we, I guess? Yes, Captain. Well done, man. And uh, Anthony grabbed a couple of interviews yesterday uh, while we were down here. One of them we recorded uh, with Chris Baru. We won't release that one in this one, but uh, that was a fantastic one. But the one that's in this episode is the one with uh, Melissa and Rex Pemberton. And, uh, you know, you also got to uh, sit in on that one too, Ben, so that was a great one. We also talked to Mark Jeffries and Dieter Ebeling from uh, Awesome Aviation. I catch up with Anton Meyer from Aerosport Aviation over from New Zealand, showing off that uh, wonderful-looking uh, sport cruiser. We also talked to the guys from Nelson Aviation College. Uh, Damien Rose caught up with the guys 
Podcast from the Kangan Institute talking about the uh, aviation courses that they run there. I have a chat to Captain Natasha Cherney from the uh, United States Air Force. She headed up the media contingent here and uh, she was very tired. Boy, has she done a lot of work. <laughs> we also have Timbo's tarmac in the keyhole with Papa Smurf. So guys, 106, let's get into it. When I was 19 years old, I thought it was pretty cool to take some flying lessons and uh, learn how to fly, and uh, even more cool when I went to the United States. I thought that was a huge adventure. Well, Ryan Campbell's here with me, and he's 19 years old. Ryan, you're going to do something just a little bit more cool than that. It is. It's uh, it's a little bit more out there. And, uh, Ryan, you're going to be, uh, in fact, uh, doing a solo around-the-world flight and uh, an attempt to be the youngest person to do exactly that. That's right, yeah, the youngest person and the first teenager to fly solo around the world. So, Ryan, you've just turned 19 years old. How did you come up with this uh, grand plan to uh, fly a Cessna 182 right around the world? I think uh, from learning to fly at a young age, I was uh, held back by age restrictions, whether it be for solo or for my private or commercial licence. And uh, every time I, I turned 16, 17 or 18, I could achieve this kind of next step. And I thought, well... You know, what's the ultimate thing to do in an aeroplane? And that's to fly all the way around the world. And seeing the world record at 23 and being 17 at that stage, I thought six years was uh, achievable and a reality. And, uh, and then we kind of said, well, how about the first teenager? Can we get it done in two years? And here we are, taking off in four months. It's always uh, something that a lot of people aspire to, to, to you know, be the youngest person to do an attempt for any given thing. Uh, but how did you uh, get into aviation in the first place? At uh, six years old, I was on an airliner uh, on the way to Vanuatu and the back when we were allowed to do it, I was taken up to the cockpit and uh, introduced to the pilots. And from then on, it was, uh, there was, uh, it was simply a fact that I would be an airline pilot. I wanted to be, as I would tell everyone, a jumbo jet pilot. And uh, it never really changed. Uh, and at 14, I read in a local newspaper about a, a young boy who soloed on his 15th birthday. And to say I was jealous was an understatement. And uh, <laughs> what else could I do but set the same goal and, and uh, strive to achieve solo on my 15th birthday? And, uh, and did you do that? I did, I did. Well on, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fantastic day. And uh, the success of that goal... Um, no doubt encouraged me to, to set another one and that was solo in a GA aircraft at uh, 16 and on, on to private and commercial and, and now this next adventure. Now tell us about your first solo. I'm, I can always remember mine. I can tell you the date it was. It was April Fool's Day in 1990. How, how was it for you? It was, uh, it was something that I think it was expected and you know a lot of pilot stories is you know well he just got out he just left me alone but it wasn't for me you know I'd waited so long to be 15 and I had my uncle who had 7,000 hours fly me to the airport and uh, and the whole family watched as I, I set off and uh, I conducted three circuits in a Skyfox Gazelle uh, after learning in GA uh, I conducted uh, the circuits in the Gazelle on my 15th birthday and, and that was it so it was uneventful which was uh, good but it was uh, a day I'll never forget. And your parents obviously have been very supportive of you, uh, what did they say when you came to them and said, you know, Mum, Dad, I'd like to fly around the world soon? <laughs> That's um, I have the, the best parents in the world, no doubt. But I, in all honesty, I didn't tell them. I kept it a secret. I talked to Dick Smith, who was a five-time around-the-world pilot and now my safety advisor, and I spoke to Ken Evers, who's now my mentor, who flew around the world in 2010. And we emailed back and forth for nearly a month and when I realised that Ken uh, was serious about this and he wanted to be my mentor, I thought, well, look what I've got myself into and, and then I told mum and dad and, and uh, that was a, an interesting night but although I was a bit worried as their reaction, they were 100% supportive as was everyone else and um, it just started to roll on from there. Yeah, well, you couldn't find a better mentor than Ken Evers. I mean, he's got the runs on the board. After all, he's done it himself. Absolutely, and to, to sit back and listen to an Aussie who, who has flown around the world only two years ago to have such recency and 
It's just such a big help. He's a backbone of the project and uh, without his support it wouldn't go ahead. Now you've got your CPL, instrument rating and everything else that you need? I do, yes. I passed my CPL uh, just after my 18th birthday, after finishing my HSC. And I passed my instrument rating at Johnson Aviation uh, late 2012. And I worked for six to eight months uh, with some charter and mostly joy flight scenic kind of stuff. And, uh, and now I've given that up to take on the world flight full time. Now, you've obviously uh, gone into some extensive route planning, but uh, one of the things that would be interesting, I guess, is how uh, other countries view your licences and ratings. Have you had to take on any other special endorsements or uh, you know, uh, accreditations to fly into, maybe not so much the US, but maybe some of the countries that we wouldn't normally think of? Most countries are, are very supportive, and the fact that you're flying a VH-registered Australian aircraft around the world is, is a little bit different. Uh, like like I've said to, uh, to many people, that this is 27 ferry flights joined in in a row and they happen to take me around the world and ferry pilots uh, are doing this ferry flying on a daily basis so uh, it's not something that you don't see every day it's just something you know to join them together as a world flight uh, isn't maybe maybe not something we see every day definitely not. All right so let's talk about some of the flight planning can you tell us about the route that you proposed? Absolutely so uh, I'm flying IFR the whole way around the world uh, and first I'll set off on July the 3rd across the Pacific eastbound and I've got stops at Norfolk Island, Samoa, Christmas Island, Hawaii, and then the longest leg of the trip, 2,130 miles to the mainland USA, uh, which in a Cessna 182 is around about 18 hours, depending on the winds. Now, tell us about the aircraft. We've talked about this aircraft, Charlie Zulu, Quebec. Uh, how did you source this aircraft? It's actually an aircraft I've uh, done a fair bit of flying in to date. Uh, one of the inspirations to the flight, a really successful man and a friend who, who said to me, you, know, you should do this, you should email Dick Smith, you should you know, just find out more information, see if it's doable. Uh, he actually sourced his aircraft from the USA and it's his own private aeroplane and he's been a great help and uh, very generously has lent me the aircraft for the flight. Now how does CASA view these sorts of flights? CASA, uh, despite what a lot of people think, they're, you know, they're great support and uh, to have your own uh, safety organisation on board and helping out with all sorts of things. We've got a lot of work to do with them in the way of uh, overweight and ferry permits and stuff like that. Um, but I can uh, happily say that today they've been a great help. And what about the search and rescue organisations? I guess that would come into the planning as well or does CASA take care of all that for you? No, it's actually been great to, to speak to a government-based uh, maritime organisation here at Avalon this week who, who are interested in helping out. And, uh, you know, the safety side of things is our priority, no doubt, and we've got a massive team with Dick Smith as safety advisor who, you know, really puts this as, as number one priority and uh, to make sure that this is the world's uh, safest solo around the world flight today. Okay, now we're looking at the aircraft here, we're standing under the wing in fact, um, and I see two seats in the back, I take it they're coming out and being replaced by a rather large fuel bladder. They are, they are. All the seats will actually come out except mine uh, to give me some room beside me and, and like you said, the, the room for a, uh, a large big fuel bladder to go in the back to allow us the uh, 18 hour uh, distance across the Pacific Ocean. So we're doing the long overwater flight now. I see here you're in a uh, grey navy style flight suit. Um, what sort of survival gear will you need to uh, be, you know, with, with the overwater crossings? Is there a requirement that you would be in a survival suit? Absolutely. Uh, I've got a, a flight suit on from Sisley Workwear which is great and it, uh, it'll be worn throughout the whole journey. Uh, but for some overwater legs in the cooler parts of the world, uh, down south near Australia and, and up north around Iceland, I'll wear a full body immersion suit along with a life jacket at all times over water. 
uh, and then we'll have a, a whole other range of safety equipment uh, that is used, like I said, every day in, in ferry flying. Now, obviously, one of the things that you want to do not only is to make the world record attempt, but uh, I would assume it's to inspire young people to become interested in aviation. It's not. We, we, I feel that we're losing it. We've lost a generation in a way, um, and it's very important to inspire. You've had mentors yourself, so obviously that's a role that you would want to take on in doing the flight in the first place. But when you get back here, obviously that's going to create a lot of interest, and we want you to be an ambassador for aviation. Absolutely. Uh, in all honesty, I'm disappointed with uh, the Australian industry and how they support youth in aviation. Simple as that. And. I had a six and a half thousand hour commercial pilot as an uncle. I saw him all the time. He knew I wanted to be a pilot, yet I found out through a newspaper article that I could solo on my 15th birthday. Common sense says that you have to at least have a driver's licence. So I went on to do uh, a lot of different things. I'm very lucky and now to, to fly around the world. And when I get back, I'll have a little bit of a break, but I'll set off around Australia on a schools tour and uh, I am promoting youth in aviation. That's my passion, my cause, and, uh, and that's why Gary Clark has put Ding Duck into our logo. You know, this is all about young kids, and to have them, you know, we just had a couple sitting in the, the pilot seat playing with all the buttons and switches, and, and that's what it's about. It's to inspire uh, the next generation, no doubt. Well, one of the things we know about Ding Duck is no matter how many times he doesn't get up in the air, he still keeps trying, and I think that's a central theme, is you must persist at these things. If you have a goal set for yourself, you should chase it. Absolutely. I, you know, I believe that I've set a goal that is uh, one of the biggest and, and out there goals that I could possibly achieve, and I can't wait to, you know, we've already achieved so many different things, but I can't wait to, to go around the world and land back in Australia and then take that story to young people. And, you know, whether they want to learn to fly or, or whether they don't, whether they want to achieve something else in a different industry, it's all about doing what you want to do and be what you want to be. So, Ryan, what sort of support have you had, A, from the corporate world and, uh, I guess, B, from the mainstream media? It's been great uh, so far to see so much support from, the, you know, corporate sponsors. It's, it's not a cheap thing to do and yeah, it's great to have the support and, and to, you know, we'll have a lot of logos on the aeroplane. We've got a long way to go uh, but any support is, is appreciated whether it's $50 or, or whether it's naming rights. So uh, you can jump on the, t- uh, the Team World Flight website, read up all about uh, corporate sponsorship and the 500 flyer to have your name or a message sign written on the aircraft for $500. And uh, any information can be found at sponsorship at Team World Flight. Send an email through and we'll get back to you as quickly as possible. Can we talk about what sort of uh, rough ballpark figure we need so that you can achieve this, uh, this goal? Look, to take, to take out the aeroplane and uh, to assume we've already got that, every other cost for the flight is nearing two hundred dollars to $250,000. And I think at the moment we're, you know, we're a long way there. We're nearly 80% to the goal. And the biggest hurdle between myself and taking off is to obtain a sponsor for the fuel. You know, I'll, I'll be using 12,000 litres of Avgas. And uh, although we've started shipping it around the world to the certain places that it needs to be, uh, we still are looking for a sponsor to uh, help with the fuel. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, when you talk about ambassadors, you couldn't get any better marketing man than Dick Smith, so I would assume that uh, he's getting out and getting in the corporate ear for you. I, I, I imagine he would be. He is. He's a fantastic Aussie, and a, a lot, like a lot of people have said, if, you know, if we all took a page out of his book, we'd be laughing. And uh, he's got a lot of experience, and uh, not only around the world flying, but as you said, media, and he's been a huge help, and I'm sure he will be to date. Well, I'll tell you what, here at the Aviation Media Network, uh, I'm going to make sure that all my colleagues uh, around the world in uh, Europe and uh, particularly the podcasters over in the US, we're going to make sure we're all over this flight and make sure we give you all the uh, aviation new media coverage we can get for you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. 
Ryan, certainly a, a very ambitious attempt made and I'm sure it'll be a fantastic thing and very inspiring for uh, many young pilots around the world. Where can people find out more about Teen World Flight? Yeah, absolutely. So you can jump on to teamworldflight.com.au and you can follow the journey on Facebook and on Twitter. Fantastic. We wish uh, Ryan Campbell all the best. Make sure that you get in and support him as well. Ryan, thanks very much. No worries. Thank you. Uh, we have Melissa Pemberton here. We have Rex. Great to see you back in Australia. How's it been so far? Yeah, it's been great. It's been a really good show. It's our first time performing at Avalon. So, you know, for Rex to get to perform in his home country and for us to kind of get a new country off the list, we're, we're pretty excited about it, especially since it's snowing back home. Yes. <laughs> I've seen your uh, displays over the last couple of days. Very, very interesting. And we're looking forward to seeing it again today. Great. Thank you. So tell us, how did you get in, into aviation to start with? Because this is your only way you fly, and you don't fly commercially like I know some of the other air show guys fly airlines and stuff. This is what you do full-time, isn't it? Yeah, th this is what I do full-time. I mean, you know, I've gone down the air transport route and done the airline thing for a bit, but, um, you know, the, the air shows I used to call part-time job, but now 25 shows a year and 11 months a year on the road, barely enough time to fit annual in. So, yeah, it's uh, it's become about as full-time as it can get. And silly question, but it pays the bills? It pays the bills, okay. yeah. Just. <laughs> and Rex is your uh, partner in crime and husband, of course, and you guys yeah. do a show together. Pretty unique in that Rex is in a skydiving suit and you're flying aerobatics around him. How do you mitigate the risks there? Because obviously, you know, you've got the risk of being orientated from the ground, orientated with uh, where you are on your show line, and also you don't want to kill your husband. So how do you guys uh, figure that all stuff out? Yeah, it's, it's really quite simple because it's like doing a formation. Rex is lead in the wingsuit and sets our line, and then I reference off of him and I do barrel rolls. So he's, he's what I'm looking at the entire time. So I never lose sight of Rex. Uh, we fly straight line, turn around, fly a straight line. So it's just up and down the show line and really demonstrating the glide ratio that he's able to get just showing that human body flight in the wingsuit a lot of trust there yeah a lot of trust absolutely <laughs> yeah she's a good pilot you know you, uh, it's pretty easy for me i just fly straight and level as fast as i can and she does the rest the only one, one thing we say before we go up is just don't annoy her before you go flying and it's all good <laughs> <laughs> and how fast are you going in your wingsuit i'm doing about 170 kilometers an hour forward yeah. speed and i'm doing about a 60 kilometer hour descent rate which gives me about a three to one glide ratio so for every uh three feet i fall uh i glide forward i glide one foot down so it's pretty good for fabric so between your arms and legs and so how do you um manage how do you control it using a propeller to control the rate of descent so you don't overtake him or how do you manage that yeah so the reason I do the barrel rolls is because at the descent rate uh, you know the edge is a nice clean airplane it's gonna accelerate much quicker than he's accelerating in the wingsuit so uh, the barrel rolls allow me to basically control my forward speed so I can stay with him in the descent um, so you know I can I can make them bigger to slow down or you know if he's getting a bit of a better glide as and as we get lower in altitude then I can tighten up the barrel rolls Okay, that's very interesting. And the first time we did it, was it a bit nerve-wracking the first time you did it, or did you start a long way out and sort of work down and took tighter and tighter? Um, the first time we did it, we're flying with a very different suit, so it was a lot steeper, faster glide, but nowhere near as long in freefall. Not, so it was pretty hard. So the barrel rolls were a lot wider. Now, uh, after four years, we've got them pretty tight. I think we got back down. It wasn't very nerve-wracking the first time we did it. Um, Melissa's an excellent pilot, and uh, and this is actually quite straightforward for her. How much control do you have in the wingsuit in terms of uh, roll and pitch and all that sort of stuff? Uh, you have total control. You steer with your shoulders and your hips and your feet. And literally, if you want to turn right, left, you could just point your head that way, point your shoulders that way, and you're going to turn. It's literally as close as you come to being a human bird. And you can glide, you can actually do barrel rolls, you can do front flips in the wingsuits, stuff like that. So they are very manoeuvrable. 
And do you enjoy aerobatics as well? Do you go up with Melissa or do you go up by yourself? Uh, I, uh, I'm just learning how to do aerobatics. I have 250 hours now as a pilot, so I'm training in a two-seat extra with Melissa's coach, nice. and that's a lot of fun. Um, one day I hope to fly uh, aerobatics and do competition aerobatics as well. That really interests me. I think I'll leave the air show flying to Melissa. That's her, her little arena. And Melissa, you do competition. You're on the US National Unlimited team. Is that right? That's right. Yep. I, I first made the team, uh, let's see, six years ago, and I'll be flying in the World Championships with our Unlimited team this year. So me and Debbie Ren Harvey will be representing the women. Okay, because you've got, you got a lot of uh, history in the United States of uh, famous female aerobatic pilots, haven't you? You've got big shoes to fill with Debbie and uh, her predecessors? Very big shoes. Debbie's been on the team, honestly, <laughs> about as long as I've been alive. So, it, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty big honor to get to share the team with her and obviously looking up to people like Julie Clark, Patty Wagstaff, and, and it, goes on, it goes on behind them. We've had a truly amazing history of, of women in aviation in the States, and you know, I just hope that being out here and doing what we do will keep in- encouraging the next generation of women to come on up. Are you involved in specific women in aviation programs in the U.S.? Do you get involved in that sort of stuff? I am. I'm, I'm actually a vice governor for the 99s. Of our, it's actually of our Ghanaian section in Africa. We have a school for, for women out there, and, uh, and I'm very involved also with women in aviation. I, when we fl- perform at Oshkosh, the Thursday at Oshkosh is packed full of women in aviation and 99s events, uh, women's soar program, high school girls coming through for the week, and uh, you know that, that's kind of our primary focus. Melissa, I'm a uh, budding and up-and-coming aerobatic pilot going through my uh, licence and endorsements at the moment. Have you got any hits and tips for the progression that we can naturally go through to get to a maybe 10 years' time, something that you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that the um, you know the competitions are a really, really fantastic way to uh, just sort of work your way through the levels because as you progress in competition, it'll bring your levels down uh, as it's increasing complexity and also of maneuvers and also helping you to learn you know wind correction and box orientation. And I, I honestly think the competitions are the best way to progress through. Uh, obviously, working with coaches and, and taking the time to train with each other because we learn so much from each other just and, and having someone watch from the ground. Um, yeah, so, so I, I really just encourage people do the competitions, have someone watch you fly. <laughs> Excellent. And what was your career progression through to come through to a full-time aerobatic pilot and display pilot? I started flying with my grandma, so I did some basic aerobatics with her in a Cessna 150 Aerobat. I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in the States, so going, you know, going down that track. And while out there, um, got more involved in the aerobatics, got involved in the competitions. And when I was flying at the advanced level, I was invited by Sean Tucker to be a part of a mentorship program, bringing young competition pilots into the air show circuit. And their role was you had to be winning in advanced and you had to fly a contest with no outs and no zeros. And then uh, then you could qualify for the program. So they, I, I always tell them they, they pulled me pulled me over into the air show side. <laughs> so the bar was set pretty high for entry. Yes, absolutely. Where to from here for you guys? What's the plans in the future? Back to the US, obviously, for a uh, air show circuit. Yeah, that's right. So we're actually off to Africa next week and then back home for El Centro Air Show for our first uh, show in the States for the season. Uh, and then we're mostly local in the States and, and Canada for the rest of the 2013 air shows. And uh, World Championships in Texas coming up in October, so that's a big one. First time we've had them locally in the States uh, in about 10 years. That's about it for this year. Just show to show. <laughs>
So as a display pilot, how do you go hopping internationally between the different uh, government regulators like the FAA, New Zealand, CAA? That's, uh, you know, it's always got a bit of a challenge to it. Uh, obviously things are a little different from place to place and we have to follow the rules of the country that we're in. If, I, if you bring your own aircraft, like Central America, all through North America, when I'm flying my edge that's from California, I'm flying on my U.S. license, flying on my U.S. waiver, so it makes it a little easier. Uh, whenever I'm traveling overseas and flying local aircraft, I have to have the local license, have the local waiver and uh, once we've gone through the process the first time um, then it's much easier in the in the next time around but for instance this is my first time performing in Australia so we went through all that this year and now next time around it'll just be show up and fly. Are you flying at Oshkosh this year? I am flying at Oshkosh. Um, I'll be there Monday through Thursday. Thursday is the women's day so that'll be the big one and then uh, and then Skip and I have a show in West Coast Canada so I'll have to be off after that for the weekend. I got the, the impression that flying an airshow at Oshkosh is uh, the main event so you've got to be pretty experienced. Is it, was that hard to get into? It was. You know, I had to work pretty hard. All of us work very hard to get to the point of being, it's, it's a real honor to be invited to fly at Oshkosh. You'll see that the lineup of performers is, um, you know, pretty, pretty pretty high level and they've changed over the organizers now. So, um, you know, it'll be a bit of a different structure. You'll see some new faces out there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that any time that any of us get the chance to go there, we're, we're feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because once again at Oshkosh, there's all the, uh, you know, the big, big names, you know, Sean Tucker and Mike Gullion, like you've, you've, we've mentioned before, so yeah, it's just a pretty big deal. Excellent, Mr. Thank you very much, and Rex, for spending some time with us. Uh, now, where can we find you online? Uh, if you go to www.sportsgal.com, you can find us. Excellent. Thank you very much, and thanks for being on Playing Crazy Down Under. Our pleasure. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having us. Mark Jeffries from the UK via Perth. Good morning. Welcome to Melbourne, welcome to Avalon, and welcome to Playing Crazy Down Under. How are you going? Very fine, thank you. Now I've got, out, got rid of a jet lag and uh, got into the swing of flying. It's, it's just great. Now, as, as you pointed out to me earlier, you actually flew in from the UK to Perth and yes, then yes. hopped in this uh, extra 330LX and flew it across the Nullarbor. Yes, flew the awesome extra from uh, Perth to Avalon. Uh, I wanted to take my time over it, um, as well as a three-hour time difference, so it shortened the days. But it was just great seeing so many different sites, uh, which you wouldn't see in the UK, but the vastness of the Nullarbor and uh, the interesting um, coastline of the, uh, of the of the Bight. And the beaches, just empty, mile after mile after mile. And looking pretty good for surfing, too. I, I'm not a surfer, so I wasn't looking at the waves. I was looking looking at the geology along the cliffs there. You've got quite a few different layers of rocks onto the coastline around about the state boundary, and the cliffs are around about 150 feet high, and it was very interesting to see. Then when it got to the, uh, the, the sandy area, and then I was looking for the sharks in the sea. You just want to make sure you can land on land. Yeah, yeah, never, <laughs> never, never too far away yeah. for glide distance to the beach. Yeah, yeah. Not when you do see the sharks, you go, oh, yeah, a bit closer. <laughs> so, Mark, um, how did you get into flying aerobatics? Uh, I didn't have enough money to fly anywhere, so uh, I took the aeroplane up over the head of the airfield and learned how to turn it upside down. So, you know, when I got my pilot's license uh, and have half an hour's worth of fuel every uh, every three weeks or so, you soon learn that you can go 15 minutes out and 15 minutes back and you've been to all the airfields 15 minutes away. And if you divide that half an hour flying every three weeks into two lots of 15 minutes, just in the overhead, you can go up and turn the aeroplane upside down and teach yourself how to loop and swoop. How long have you been doing aerobatics for? Uh, 1980, I got my pilot's license, uh, but I was doing aerobatics before I even had the license. And 
I shocked my instructor. I was at around about 20 hours, and he said, off you go, then uh, just fly around a little bit. So I went up to uh, 5,000 feet and did some spinning. I got back, and he said, well, where did you go? I said, well, I just went across there a few miles and uh, did some spinning. And he was quite shocked and horrified. <laughs> did anyone else show you how to spin? or? Well, I'd, I'd had, I'd had uh, the spinning lesson, uh, a few lessons prior, and I felt a little bit queasy. So uh, I thought, well... I don't like that, so I better get some practice so I don't feel queasy. And uh, clearly you didn't feel queasy for long because uh, you've done had quite a quite a good history of aerobatic flying and display flying. Yeah, yeah. so as I mentioned, uh, I got my licence in 1980. It was a six-month compressed period. And then uh, my first competition was in 84, and I was just challenged by uh, Barry Tempest at a Moth Club fly-in. I was flying a, a Booker Youngman at the time, and Neil Jensen was there with his Youngman, and we both put £5 on the table which was an awful lot of money and uh, off we did uh, an aerobatic competition then I thought oh this is good fun this was sort of August time and then September just uh, a few weeks later there was a British Aerobatic Association competition I entered that and from there you've progressed through you've uh, yeah the, won a number of trophies and so on yeah so the first competition uh, I came fifth in it so I entered the next competition the, the following year and uh, I got very frightened and nervous when I saw my name top of the leaderboard after the first flight, and so I messed something up on the second flight, but it came second. Thought, oh, yeah, well, this isn't bad, you know, a field of uh, 25, 30 people. Then uh, I went and won all the competitions that year at standard level, progressed from standard through intermediate, through advanced. Uh, then I built my own aeroplane, um, a laser, in 1991, uh, uh, I completed that from David Pilkington's drawings, whom, uh, as we know, lives in Melbourne. Yeah. He, was, uh, he wrote all this stuff down so that people could build. So I built the laser, the earned place on the British team, and uh, met Dieter soon after, flying international competition. And I understand you've been involved in a few um, formation demo teams and uh, flying yaks and so on? Yes, I fly uh, yak 52s, yak 50s. I was in the Aerostars team for uh, around about three years, flying formation displays uh, in Europe and um, the UK. While you're here in Melbourne, you're flying the uh, Awesome Aviation Extra. It's an extra 330 LX. Is that the latest, greatest? The, the 330 LX is, yes, the latest, greatest uh, production aeroplane from Extra, fully certified, so it's public transport, and it's got a good pedigree behind it of uh, product support and uh, design philosophy, design teams and the like. It's got the newest Lycoming engine, the Lycoming uh, IO580. It's a lighter weight airframe than the 300 that you flew. Uh, it's got some very well-developed ailerons, uh, which set it apart from all the other aircraft, be it experimental or uh, production aircraft. Very good centering, so uh, when you do a roll, you can actually stop where you want it to stop, uh, yet they're lightweight. And uh, what kind of display are you giving for us? What are some of the manoeuvres you're chucking it through? <clears throat> it's quite impressive to see. Well, it's a little bit difficult for me to uh, explain the manoeuvres because some of them don't have names and um, these are things I've developed myself. But uh, I'm using a lot of the gyroscopic force of the engine. For example, if you kick the rudder hard left, it's very powerful rudder, the nose will swing to the left around about 70, 80 degrees. The resultant gyroscopic force of that is downwards. If you add forwards elevator as well to the gyroscopic force, you'll get a continuing downward uh, momentum and you can tumble the aeroplane head over heels. And so I put a lot of these gyroscopic figures into the display and when you perform them on different planes, different attitudes, starting 
different attitudes, you end up with a different result. It's very interesting and enjoyable to see. That much is certain. I was watching you the other day and uh, yeah, very, very um, amazing performance. Leaves you a bit wrung out though. Uh, just yes, yeah. Pushing you, and pulling a lot of Gs. Yeah, you get down and you're sweating and you're out of breath. Yeah. Because uh, resisting the G-force, um, typically I'm using eight and five uh, G. If you use any more, uh, you'll degrade the performance of the aeroplane because obviously pulling G takes off the speed. Um, yeah, for a aerobatic pilot that was coming up through the ranks, what progression would you recommend? aircraft type to transfer from, from your basic training up through to an extra like this? Progressing through the ranks, I would suggest that you fly a low performance aeroplane initially so that you can recognise energy management. An extra 200, for example, would be a very good training aircraft because it hasn't got the gutsy performance that this uh, 330LX has got but it has got all the characteristics. And um, basically, any time you're flying, or your airspeed is higher than your maximum full power straight and level, you're wasting energy because you've got that end speed by a dive and you've lost height. Yep. So the technique is within the maneuvers to do the maneuver at the lowest speed possible to do the maneuver because you've got the potential to gain energy. And then once you've gained energy, energy is altitude, so you convert it into speed to do a maneuver where you would need speed. So, for example, uh, half Cubans uh, roll off the top, for example, you can gain height. So, Mark, how can our audience find you online? Uh, I can be found quite easily. I've got the best domain name in the business. Very simple, airdisplays.com. Wow, that's a good one to have. Yeah, I was very lucky uh, in this purchase. Only £300. Well done. It it was a guy uh, who... um, An air display in Germany is not like you see around us. An air display is an inflatable uh, pylon, inflatable banners and Uh, things like that. And the guy was in this business, didn't make it work, and uh, he just looked... just typed in air display found a couple of websites in the UK and I was uh, uh, at the top of the list through my other business which is yakuk.com I sell Russian aeroplanes I snapped it up within moments (laughs) yeah and that's probably the best thing he's done for his whole company was sell that domain (laughs) that's cool well done thank you very much it's an incredible display it looks like an amazing piece of equipment and uh, we're very fortunate to have you here with us at Avalon. Mark Jeffries, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be down under. Dieter Ebling from Awesome Aviation. Welcome to Playing Crazy Down Under. How are you going? Hello, Grant. I'm going well, thank you. Excellent. Dieter, we're next to the uh, extra 330LX, and uh, as we've heard from Mark Jeffries, it's a pretty amazing piece of equipment. You're from Awesome Aviation, you are Awesome Aviation, and you're based in Perth. How'd you come about? I started Awesome Aviation back in 1989. The company is dedicated to leasing aircraft to operators around Africa, the Middle East, and Australia, particularly in the aircraft types of the Beechcraft 1900 airliner, Beechcraft King Air, and Special Missions Jets, which we deploy in air ambulance contracts. So we lease aircraft to operators in those regions. I have been involved with the company, obviously, starting in 1989, and have flown all the aircraft types that we have that uh, we have under our uh, or in our fleet. I have a lot of experience flying them, test flying them, ferrying them, and operating them in the field. Now I noticed the accent there. Uh, where did he hail from? Johannesburg, South Africa, and uh, Awesome Aviation has a base in Johannesburg at Lanseria International Airport, and it has another base at Perth International Airport in order to be able to reach the the, the regions that uh, the company operates in. And uh, how long have you been uh, flying aerobatics for? 
I started aerobatics in uh, 1990 and uh, started off in an S2A pits and then uh, progressed into an S1 as I went through intermediate and advanced and then into a laser 230 which I flew unlimited and I flew the advanced world aerobatic championships in that aircraft too and Mark shared that aircraft with me in the AWAC in 1995. And so you, how many uh, aerobatic aircraft do you have on the fleet? We only have the extra 330LX. Uh, we, we wanted to set up a, a billboard, a banner for the company to reach the aviation market. Our aircraft uh, are, are leased to operators that are said, as I said, that are in the industry. So we need to reach the aviation industry. And uh, we thought this would be a great, interesting vehicle that uh, would create brand awareness for the company um, within the uh, aviation industry. It's a, definitely a spectacular billboard. Uh, is it just yourself and Mark who are flying it, or do you have other people who fly the uh, extra? At the moment, Mark's flown it. I've flown it. The aircraft's very new. We have about 70 hours on a total time. It only came into Australia in uh, February last year. And other than that, Joel Haskey from Red Baron has flown it as well. Where do you see things going for um, Awesome Aviation and the uh, tumbling billboard? We think the model is working very well. And, uh, you know, being at the Avalon Air Show is, is very high impact for us, high visibility for us. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, PR and media around the aircraft as well. Uh, there's a lot of interest in it, obviously, because of it being the latest aircraft from the extra production line. It's got a great track record as an aircraft type. We, we see it uh, developing from here into becoming an institution around the airshow circuit and uh, competition circuit. And obviously, there's interest uh, from a media perspective around those activities. Dita, thank you very much for your time. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the tumbling billboard a little more often around Australia. Thank you very much, Grant. Good to meet you. Plan your flight, fly your plan with Oz Runways. Oz Runways turns any iPad or iPhone into a full-featured moving map GPS complete with all the official Australian aviation charts. Oz Runways makes the task of creating and submitting a flight plan a breeze and can be a great tool for improving situational awareness en route. Annual subscriptions start at only $74.99, so get your copy today. For your free one-month trial, search for Oz Runways EFB in the iTunes store or visit ozrunways.com. Oz Runways. Know where you're going. PCDU's Avalon 2013 series is brought to you by Avplan. Get more for your EFB. avsoft.com.au Classic Flight Bag. For those who identify the sky as their office, grab your bag and go. Classicflightbag.com Sennheiser. Sennheiser S1 Digital, the quiet revolution in aviation headsets. World Flight Planner. Plan your flight like a pro and get worldwide coverage with World Flight Planner. Worldflightplanner.com. Eco 2000 ZI400 Aircraft Colloidal Cleaner. Regular airframe washing is an important part of corrosion protection. And Red Baron Adventures. Redbaron.com.au Want something different to talk about on Monday? Get yourself a Jet Ride gift pack and tear through the skies at 900 Ks with Australia's ultimate jet fighter experience. Be top gun for the day. Go to jetride.com.au slash PCDU or in Australia call 1300 554 876. Anton Meyer from uh, Aerosport Aviation all the way from New Zealand. Anton, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much there, Stephen. Yeah, as you know, Aerosport Aviation is the Australasian agent for uh, what was the Sport Cruiser originally, and then um, of course uh, Piper got involved and it became the Piper Sport, Yep. and um, that, that really saw things cemented uh, in between the two countries that we've been extremely busy ever since, and of course now we've got things advancing on from that, 
that we've got um, the new model, completely 3D CAD model designed. Still going to look the same, but we've got a whole new um, aircraft coming. The spec has gone right up, and the price is coming down. Oh, so, good on both accounts. Absolutely, but the, the good thing about it is Aerosport is certainly becoming a trusted name out there. We've been doing this for over 10 years. We've got a hell of a lot of happy customers, and those customers come and stay with us in New Zealand sometimes to come flying with us. We talk all the time. It's such a neat community to be involved with. And, and you guys get around. This is the second time I've been up with you guys. I met up with you guys at, uh, I think, Narromine last year. And uh, so obviously uh, the Australian market is a big one for you guys, even though you're based over there in New Zealand. Oh, it is, it is. And um, your distances are a hell of a lot more vast over here than they are in New Zealand. And in, some, and in a lot of cases, an aircraft is a necessity. And this area of aviation, with the, such a sophisticated aircraft at a good price, just makes it so possible for people to actually own one. Now, we're over here all the time, as you say. We're backwards and forwards. We've also got bases over here set up in, in the territories. Our main assembly base for when an aircraft is shipped in is at uh, Gatton Air Park in Queensland. Okay. And then Martin looks after Queensland for us. And then we've got uh, a really top chap, is uh, Dave, who you've met at Narromine yep. as well. And Dave looks after New South Wales, and he's based at Jasper's Brush. He's actually the president of the flying club there, Jasper's Brush. Well, Jasper's Brush, very topical, because I know they're under a lot of pressure there at Jasper's Brush at the moment, so we should uh, grab him. Yep, they are, and Dave is doing his level best. He, he used to be on the council as well, and he's trying to do his level best to keep aviation alive in that area and keep the locals happy, happy as well. The thing about these, the new light sport aircraft, such as our new SC3D coming through, a car is 75 decibels, the new SC3D is 69 decibels. Yeah. It's quieter than a car. You know, it's this sort of thing that uh, us aviators have to be very mindful of people. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, over in WA, we've got um, support centre over in WA as well. And uh, how is the market over there? LS, or LSA in the States, I guess, RAL's here. I think you guys call it Microlight over there in New Zealand. Is that right? Yeah, yeah how's, how's the market going over there? Here, it just seems to be really coming up and almost becoming more mainstream than GA now in many, many parts of the country. Absolutely. It's the same in New Zealand, and I, I think that Australia and New Zealand are actually almost leading this area uh, with the uptake of um, LSA aircraft. Well, in New Zealand, and the same as in Australia here, half of all pilots' registrations now and half of all aircraft registered are on either RAOs or the microlight registers called in New Zealand. When you've got an aircraft that looks as fantastic as the Sport Cruiser, which is just a, it's a magnificent looking machine, uh, why would you not want to be in this sector? Well, that's, that's right. You're getting the benefit of a GA aircraft in the RA sector or a, 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 an LSA aircraft, which you can maintain itself. The new one, of course, it's got the um, injected Rotax engine, the 912 IS, we're talking 14, 15 litres an hour. That's less than your car. Can't beat that, can you? No, you can't. So uh, if we were wanting to purchase one here in Australia, basically a basic model maker with steam gauges, what would you sort of be looking at price-wise? Well, 
Talking about decibels, it'll be quieter than those hornets outside. Yeah, <laughs> the hornets are spectacular, but boy, they rack up the neighbours. Oh, they sure do. Yeah. Well, the the way the sport, the new sport cruiser is done, being the the new SC3D, is it's actually standard with the full Dynon D1000 oh, okay, 10-inch yeah. sky view, and an analog panel is the same because it's using the IS Rotax engine you have to have a screen. You can't get analog gauges right, yep. for that. So you're going to have a screen on the right-hand side regardless. So it's just a case of adding the other screen on the left-hand side, and it's the D1000 with synthetic vision. Yeah. And, th- and that's 120,000 plus GST fly away with everything in it. Everything in it, all yeah. the bells and whistles. And I've flown aircraft myself with that uh, Dynon Skyview. It's magnificent. Yeah, it's, uh, look, it's, it's IFR under VMC, Mm. And I'm not advocating for any pilot to go looking for cloud to go flying in. But hey, we all get caught out on the occasion. And it's nice to know that you've got all that instrumentation on board to keep you alive. I couldn't agree more. Anton, uh, we've had a, uh, an interesting week here at, uh, at Avalon. It started off uh, pretty slow because of the weather, but uh, the crowds have certainly picked up here towards the end of the week. Have you had a lot of inquiries, a lot of traffic uh, through your stand? Well, the beginning part of the week, yeah, I would say the numbers weren't that great through. However, we were steady, and I was quite surprised with the number of people that were here. We've been steady all the time. The public days, we have just been run off our feet. We've had four people on the stand, continuous for three days. Fantastic. Yeah. I think with an aircraft like yours, it's certainly it's a head turner. People look at it and think that looks nice. And what we want to do here at Avalon, of course, is get the general public and you know interested in aviation, enthused about aviation. I think you've got a good prominent spot here, and I think it goes a long way towards achieving that aim. Yeah, Aerosport Aviation has had this spot for a few years now, and uh, we'll be here again in two years' time in the same Fantastic. spot. And um, it's going to be probably having three aircraft on the stand next year, or in two years' time, and we're looking forward to it already. And uh, any plans for some of the more minor meets, say NatFly, Ozfly, places like oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, Dave, our New South Wales agent, uh, Dave Bennett, that is. Uh, in fact, the plane that's here, uh, he's flying at home tomorrow, of course, back home. And he'll be doing tomorrow for us because um, Jackie, my wife, and I will be doing uh, O-Marker in New Zealand at Blenheim. That's the... Um, the World War One and Two stuff, that's a terrific show, and we see a lot of Australians at that show. Yeah. I know we've been talking about it for a while between uh, between us, but uh, we should get somebody from our team, either on our side of the Tasman or on yours, and get up and do a flight review one day in that aircraft. I'd look forward to that. Look, we'd look forward to taking you for a fly in New Zealand, We're, or, or over here, but I tell you what, we've got some fantastic mountains to go flying in. You know, I'm talking 10, 11,000 foot stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll blow your socks off. Sounds very tempting. So, Anton, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about your company, where would they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find us on aerosportaviation.com.au. Fantastic. Well, uh, Anton Meyer, thanks very much for uh, coming to Avalon and thanks for speaking with us today. Pleasure. Look forward to catching up again. Jeremy Anderson from Nelson Aviation College. Welcome to Plane Crazy Down Under. G'day, good to be here. Now we're sitting here in the Piper booth and we're looking out at your gleaming brand new Seminole out there and I believe you guys are going to fly that back to New Zealand. Yes, yes we are. We um, It's Monday, Sunday today so we've got tomorrow to do a bit of training and then uh, myself and an Air New Zealand captain are going to be flying from here 
uh, back to New Zealand via Port Macquarie, Lord Howe Island and Norfolk Island. No worries, so he's an in New Zealand captain, so being a captain of course you'll be doing all the work. Absolutely right, well actually in this flight I think he's he's nominated me to be captain and this one he's just going to sit there. He's a very smart man. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, share, we'll share the flying, um, I've done a bit more in, in this sort of thing than him but he's, he's sort of flown the lighter twins a long time ago and, and now he's flying Dash 8 so... Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll probably do most of the flying and he'll do the radio work but he'll, he'll do some of it on the way too. Yeah, of course we talked to Piper yesterday on the show and we know that this seminal here is uh, Garmin 500 equipped so uh, yes. is that a good uh, technology step up for you Yes, guys? well it is a step up for us. It's the first first one that we've had. Um, traditionally we've we've done all of our training on analogue instruments. Obviously with times moving we're uh, moving more and more into the glass cockpit and we've sort of done our, done our research on, on fleet upgrade and the Garmin 500 we think is going to be a good stepping stone from moving from traditional analogue to, to glass cockpit because it's it's not full-blown um, you know, integrated flight deck but all the flight control, all the flight instruments are on the glass panels. Yeah. Now uh, tell us about the training scene over there, you're with Nelson Aviation College. That's you, right. I know a lot of the training organisations here uh, you know, go for the airlines and get a lot of the uh, Asian airlines or Indian airlines students. Yes. Are you guys pitching into the same market? Um, not quite as much. I mean, we, we do do airline-style training. We're part of um, the Air New Zealand Aviation Institute. There are five flying schools in New Zealand, one of which we are, and they're affiliated with Air New Zealand, I guess uh, you would say, and we're training the pilots in accordance with the Air New Zealand-based SOPs. And the idea is that eventually, once they uh, graduate with a commercial and instrument rating, they'll go off and get their time, and then later on when they come to apply to Air New Zealand, they'll be what they call a tag pilot. Yeah, so it would be probably more accurate to say that you're aligned with Air New Zealand, but they're, they're not coming in from Air New Zealand. Right? No, it's not, a, it's not a cadetship as such. So Air New Zealand aren't um, sending us students to train, and then they're going to go straight back onto a jet. We, along with Air New Zealand, are doing the interviewing ourselves, um, and... We'll train them, they'll do their commercial and their instrument rating and they've still got to go off and gain experience as, as traditionally has been the case. Basically what it, what it is is when they go away, gain the experience, come back and they can then see that they've done their training with one of the partners, that's going to work in their favour. Students from overseas, we see, as I said, we see a lot of overseas students coming into Australia. Are you finding that there or have you got a good percentage of local New Zealand uh, students well, coming in? We've got 90% of our students are Kiwis. Right, well that's excellent um, then. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. we have, <clears throat> over the years I've been at the college, I'm in my ninth year at the college now, and uh, when we started, well when I started, there were quite a few from Japan. We used to do a lot of um, training for JL, JL Express, and um, we could have sort of 15 or 20 Japanese students at a time. And that's sort of tailed off a little bit now, and, and we're sort of aiming at the local Kiwi market, yep. and um, we've been doing it for a long time, so we've got a pretty good reputation. Yep. We've probably got 10% of our students international, and that's a, a broad range of nationalities, it's not just sort of from one country. And do you find that students that are graduating the college, if they're not finding work uh, around New Zealand, you know, there's a pretty good demand for Kiwi pilots in other parts of the world? Yes, there is. Um, it's obviously New Zealand's only so big. We'd love to keep them all there, um, but but there aren't there aren't quite the quite as many jobs, and and um, particularly with the airlines, they want the experience. So we find, you know, some of our guys will hit off, and they may some of them come across here yeah. um, to Australia. Some go off to Africa. Um, and they'll do that for a few years before gaining the time and then coming back to apply for a regional airline. It's always the quandary in any uh, line of work, isn't it? They, you know, companies will say they want experience, but where do you get that experience exactly. in the first place? And that's that's exactly right. I mean, one thing I'm I, I'm a great advocate for is, is the instructing rate, uh, instructing route. 
obviously we're instructors, so we, we're all for it. But I think that doing an instructor rating and learning to teach people how to fly gives you a better understanding. Yeah. Um, and there's always going to be a need for instructors, and it's a good, it's a good way for the, for the for the student to gain experience in a controlled environment as opposed to being given a given a 172 and said, right, I go to work. You know, we, we, we mentor them and, and bring them up through the ranks in a controlled manner and we know that they're going to be safe. And and the, the end product, you know, uh, the regional airlines love taking our multi-engine instructor rating, uh, instructors because they can sort of step in. They've got to learn to fly the new airplane, but they know the procedures, they know the emergencies, they're doing them every day. So instructing is a good, good way to go. Now, anybody who's interested in uh, you know looking at some of the courses that you guys offer, you obviously uh, have a presence on the uh, internet. Absolutely, they yes, they can. If they um, search Nelson Aviation College in New Zealand, our website's www.nelson-aviation.co.nz, and um, we've got a website there that's got all the information that they'll need. Fantastic, Jeremy Anderson. Thanks very much for uh, letting me uh, shoehorn you into this interview. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you. No worries, mate. Cheers. I'm here with Leith Donaldson from the Kangan Institute, a uh, training organisation that, um, well, I won't explain it. You can explain what you do, Leith. Yeah, hi there. Um, so we're an uh, aviation industry training centre um, specialising in aircraft maintenance engineering training. Um, we start off from your new pathway into the industry with your pre-vocational course. Um, so it's a pre-trade course that allows people to come in off the street, um, provided obviously they've got the prerequisites in the maths and physics, um, and they study for 10 months, full-time course, um, sitting the exams that actually are the pathway towards their CASA licence as well. So um, by doing the, the theory part of it and then also the practical, the idea is that they'll come out of it go into an apprenticeship and then they can carry on their study and gain the certificate for in either avionics, mechanical or structures um, and then from there progress onto their licence. Fantastic. So where's the the institute located? Um, So we've got our main campus um, in Melbourne, uh, Broadmeadows, and there we've got a hangar with five aircraft in. Um, We've also got the hangar with the 737 out at Tullamarine. Right. Yeah, so we we spread between the two. Um, The Broadmeadows one is the large one, that's where we've got all our electronics lab and soldering lab as well. Um, yeah, so obviously, but the bigger things, we have to go out to 737 today. Yeah, that'd be a real pain, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it's hard work. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, exactly, like that. Yeah, definitely, the students like it as well. You know, it's not every day or not many places that have an operational 737. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how has the success rate been as far as your, your uh, graduates leaving you and then getting into apprenticeships and moving up? Um, yeah, the pre-vocational course has been really good. Over the last um, few years, just we've had people taken up in the first two months. Um, yeah, so they just come and they've approached us. Um, I think industry like it because it's effectively a 10-month job interview. Yeah. They can come to us and they know that people can maybe put up a bit of a front for an hour interview but 10 months we know you know their history of all their exams how they've done with them also their attendance and just their general attitude so yeah it's a lot of places won't even touch the students for an apprenticeship unless they've done this course makes sense doesn't it Uh, yeah definitely okay Lee so where can our listeners find you on the internet Um, so we've got the the main Kangan website kangan.edu.au from there you can go to the, the aviation site and and um, there's also the phone number, which I don't have handy, but that's, that's on the website. Yeah, yeah, that's it there. And from there, there'll be emails, um, contact addresses to get through. And 
again, depending on not just the um, pre-vocational course, if there's someone already in the industry looking to get skills recognition, yep. um, we do that. Overseas licenses, people that have worked for a number of years that haven't got the most up-to-date um, qualification, we can do that. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. We wish Thank you all you the best. And, um, and, and honestly, I think between in our listener base, you know, from... The young guys who are perhaps going through grade 11 or grade 12 mm. through to those that want to get recurrent again. I'm sure that there'll be uh, inquiries that come from it. Thank you very much. No problem at all. I'm here with uh, Captain Natasha Cherney from the United States Air Force. And uh, Natasha, you've been here all week uh, handling the media. How's it been for you? It's been awesome. It's been a great opportunity. It's been extremely crazy and busy, but all very worth it. Now, of course, uh, we, we tell you all about our wonderful Australian weather. And standing here today on the last day, it's uh, certainly been that way. But uh, maybe not so much on the uh, on the first day here at Avalon this year. And uh, that must have created some challenges for your people as well as ours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first couple of days, it was uh, the weather was very unpredictable um, one of the days it was raining other days it was very cloudy and uh, a couple of our aircraft couldn't fly but thankfully um, the weekend has just been absolutely beautiful I'm glad you guys were able to work that out mm. make the weather so great for us here I called some people and had yeah. it done you know. I, I'm glad there wasn't a cloud in the sky it was a great <laughs> air show to come and see now of course uh, your section of the uh, the Air Force Public Relations uh, do you do that full time is that your full time job at the moment yes I am a public affairs officer um, I'm currently stationed in uh, Okinawa, Japan, Kadena Air Base. Um, our team here worked for the uh, Pacific Air Force's Public Affairs Office. Right. And, of course, public relations, we work very closely with the Australian Air Force people here. You guys obviously see great value in providing a good public face for the United States Air Force. Yes, yes, we do. And um, we had a great opportunity to work with, alongside of our Royal Air Force Australian Public Affairs counterparts. We had a great time. It was fun. We were able to share information, share photos. Um, and it all goes into the bigger picture of why we're here. Obviously, we have some financial issues back in the States, but us being here uh, shows our commitment to the Pacific region and our commitment to our one of our greatest allies, which is Australia. And I don't think there's anybody here that would complain over being able to show our appreciation for Australia, to be able to um, show the alliance that we have with you guys. Now, you, uh, as you said, you're uh, deployed to Japan. What sort of rotation is it for you guys? Do you spend a lot of time over there? Is it like a one year in, maybe back to the States? Uh, do you get around the world much or you sort of stay in this region? For us, I have a three-year tour because I'm married, so um, we're at Kadena for about three years. Uh, in the Pacific region, it can range. In Korea, you do one to two years. Um, in some of the other overseas bases, you can do two to three years. But because we're overseas and um, in the Asian countries, we're typically here from anywhere from one to three years. Well, uh, Captain, I want to thank you. Uh, on behalf of my team, I'd like to thank your team for looking after us here with our program uh, and, you know, for bringing down the Raptor and all the other fantastic uh, U.S. Air Force hardware this week. It's been fantastic. Well, I brought the Raptor, guys, just for you guys. I hope you know that. No, we appreciate we did, it. We put in the request. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the great weather. We appreciate um, the friendship, the alliances, and we appreciate all the Tim Tams and other goodies that you were able to give us. Um, absolutely love you guys, and we're thankful that we could do something for you. Well, you know, Tim Tams, bribery is such an ugly word. We never use it. Inducement is what we like to <laughs> think here at Flight Group. All right. Well, it worked. It worked. Good. Well, uh, Natasha, we'll see you hopefully back again in two years. Yes, hopefully so. I'm from Latina. No worries. Great. Thank you. And now it's time for Timbo's Tarmac. Timbo, it's time for the final tarmac, and uh, we're standing here in the wheel well of the Canberra uh, bomber. 
Mate, this isn't too bad a place. It's a little echoey, but it's a bit of protection from the dreaded uh, exhaust. Seems appropriate. Somewhere to hide at the end of a long week. Yeah, especially after a bit of the Keystone Cops going on. Wasn't my tug. I wasn't driving it. it I didn't bog it. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything still goes on. Everyone's still happy, so it's all, it's all yes, good. Yes, we just make the plans as we go along and we'll yeah. figure it out. Roll with the punches. That's the way. So how's the week been, mate? It's been good. Yeah, the, today was much better with the wind dying down, so everything got on display, so it finished off a good week. So be glad to put them all away tomorrow, get rid of the last couple in the morning, and then go home. Yeah, so a couple of beers tonight once everything closes. Oh, no, we don't drink. Oh, that's right, I forgot. You yeah. guys no. imbibe only the purest dew from the flowers, Something right? Something like that, yes. yes. <laughs> Ten days is, uh, is long enough, so yeah, ready to go home tomorrow for sure. <laughs> for sure. And uh, yeah, sorry for sending uh, Veggie down uh, a couple of times to uh, for ATC Ben to yes, come for me. Well, I mean, he's got a little bit to learn yet, but I'm sure you'll educate him in the ways of interviews. Yeah, oh, excellent. We'll sort it. <laughs> Been good, Grant. Thanks very much, and uh, we'll yeah, see no you worries. in two years' time. Yeah. Well, before we do that, though. Yes. Um, any highlights? Highlights. Oh, I mean, our aircraft are you what we're used to seeing, but I think for us, all of us, I think we'd agree the F-22 display oh. was was outstanding, and uh, that I think the guy thinks he's an aerobatic pilot. And yeah. shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff in a, in a fighter jet. Yeah, it's, he treats it like an extra, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been good. And from the Warbird tarmac, pretty much same, same. Everything, you know, nice and smooth and the, good to see the, the usual crowd and hang out. And Yeah, like I always say, it's nice to work with professional display pilots because they're the easiest ones to work with. Yeah, just, we need it there, we need the fuel there. See you later. That's it, park yeah. over there and all done. <laughs> well, speaking of parking over there and all done, mate, I think it's time to get out of what's left of your hair. I'll let That's you uh, go yeah. and relax. Get rid of our airplanes in here and then uh, let the rat race begin as all the day trippers and uh, little bangers try and get out of the place. That's the one, mate. That's it. Thanks for uh, giving us the tarmacs and uh, we'll see you next time in a couple of years. Pleasure. Cheers. Very much. In the keyhole with Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf, as it was in the beginning, so it is in the end. We're back at the uh, Smurf Mobile, and uh, where it's a little quieter in here with uh, all these jets Can't running do. around. Hell of a lot quieter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit noisy at the moment. The F-18s are doing their ground attack phase. The Hawks flying around. Plenty of noise. So, mate, it's the end of day six. It's the end of the show. How's it going for you? Pretty well, actually. You know, we've, we've had a few minor hiccups, but nothing drastic. There's been no accidents, which is always a plus. Just little things. Niggly yeah. things get at you. Uh, overall, it's been really good. Excellent. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and of course I enjoy being here with the people I work with and I have fun with the people in the crowd occasionally when I get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been good. And it's the first one that we've seen the B-52 in the keyhole and yeah, it's looking so, pretty heavily fueled up at the moment. Yeah, she's well and truly fueled up, she is. Put fuel in the, the other night. Straight away the wings started to sag like they normally do because most of the tanks are in the wings. And we had to put down uh, some aluminium matting <laughs> so that the well, the jockey wells wouldn't sink yep. into the ground. Yep. We've started moving aircraft out already. This one of the C-17s, the one that did the display earlier today, it did his display and then he went home. Yep, noticed that one and yep. that was pretty impressive to have two C-17s in here from both from the RAF. And oh then... yeah, we had more 17s here from the RAF than we did from the USAF, yeah. which is 
usually the other way around. Exactly, a bit of a change. Yeah, we've yeah. got uh, four of them now, I think. It's either four or five. Oh, there's six, sure. actually. And, uh, six, is yeah, it? Yeah, at one point yeah. we had the first one to arrive and we had the last one to one arrive. To arrive yeah. yeah, they were, they were both sitting here side mm. by side. But, yeah, we've got six of the suckers now. Yep. So, um, yeah, we were like, woo, we got six. And the Yanks are like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember back in, what, ooh, about 2002, the Chief of Air Force speaking to me at Richmond and saying, uh, we're going to get them, we're going to get yeah. them. But I'm afraid he'd gone by the time we got them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, been a good day, mate. Uh, oh. The blokes, all the volunteers that we've had around Keyhole have been exceptional. And uh, I'd be happy to have any of them back. That's They've great. been really good. Now, the, uh, the weather's been fantastic as well. And the last couple of days, uh, it was windy yesterday, but today has just been breezy. You couldn't ask for a better day today. Exactly. Well, Papa Smurf, congratulations on making it through yet another Avalon. And yep. thank, you thank you for you. once again coming on and giving us your updates on what's been happening in the in the keyhole well, i guess i'm told that's not the name we're supposed to use for this anymore is it well it's supposed to be the the heavy aircraft apron, apron. Yeah. but everybody calls it the key well all of the troops that work here call it the keyhole it's a lot easier and to say. tarmac control call it the keyhole yeah. and all that so that's what we do uh, heavy jet yeah everybody whatever, knows where keyhole. it is yeah uh, Exactly, and you can figure it out by looking at it going, oh, yeah. yeah it looks like a keyhole. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you once again, mate. I think you get a good chance for a few well-earned beers tonight and then uh, get rid of everything that's left tomorrow and go home, yeah? Back home to my wife tonight. Oh, not sticking around uh, yeah, for the party? No, I'm not sticking around tonight. No, going home so to... Uh, I'm off up to Alinda. We've picked my wife up and to have a couple of days there and then Sounds we're heading great. down to Western Victoria. Excellent. Oh, that's great, mate. Okay, well, I'll uh, switch this thing off, get out and start the trudge back to the media centre. I'll right leave on, you mate. to it. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah. Thanks very much. And as Avalon 2013 draws to a close, guys, uh, boy, I don't think I'm going to be able to stay awake for the trip home. <laughs> it's uh, been a very long yeah, week. You're driving, man. You've got to stay awake. No, I'll get my son to drive. He's 15. Who will notice? Well, I'll tell you what, there's been a lot of highlights in this uh, this series. Um, some some great acts, some that we haven't seen uh, in previous years, uh, and there was some really exciting stuff going on there. I guess the highlight of the week for me was uh, going for the ride in the tanker and watching the refueling. I mean, how could you top that, really? Grant, stop rolling your eyes. <laughs> Gnashing my teeth. Uh. <laughs> ben Jones, uh, what about your uh, highlight for the week? Uh, my highlight for the week was actually meeting a lot of the people that I watched growing up um, in aviation, like Chris Beru and you know, people like that, you know, people that I've admired and looked up to, and uh, finally getting to uh, jump the barriers and just have frank conversations with them as a one-on-one person. And a lot of the airshow pilots, they're uh, down to earth and they're just normal people, and it's uh, great to see. It's the best thing that we found, uh, I think, doing this uh, media thing over the years is you know we look at oh, for, for Chris Baru for example and listeners would know I really idolise that guy and there's, you know that's a big connection for me for uh, you know many years with my father going and watching him at, at, at you know at air shows and uh, I always uh, think back to those great times and that's probably the third time we've spoken to him now but um, you know it's uh, you know when you talk to them they're not the big superstar they don't want that hero sort of stuff they're very focused on what they're doing and they're, they're just normal people and I think they just want to be treated that way so uh, ATC Ben how about a, a highlight for you this week um, highlight for me just 
the um, getting to see from the media side, being being on the tarmac for the last few years, you, you get a bit of behind the scenes access, but not not as much as you get when you've got that nice little media tag hanging around. And um, and same as Ben, just having conversations with people and getting the the in depth information that we can that you can get when you're actually having a, an interview with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Grant McCarran, boy, you know, anyone who uh, knows Grant McCarran knows that once he gets to an air show, you can't keep up with him. He, he moves like the wind. He's all over the place. So, uh, mate, uh, how many kilometres have you run this week? <laughs> well, shockingly, it's been an Avalon, and I haven't worn through a pair of boots, but I've gone from one end of the displays to the other. Didn't get down to Siberia. Uh, with a, uh, that's where last time they had the B-52 parked. Uh, they did have the C-17 parked down there. But when we went to go and uh, chat with the USAF C-17 guys, uh, we grabbed a golf cart and zapped over to the other side of the ramp near the Jetstar terminal uh, where they were parked and uh, had a hang out there and got some good photos and videos from the other angle that most people never get to see. And, you know, nothing like Oshkosh, but uh, what the heck, I did manage to uh, get around and see a lot of stuff and race around, catch up with people, make sure we had a full uh, opportunity card of... Uh, videos to gather and interviews to have but I think highlights for me well I think the highlight for everyone was definitely the F-22 Raptor actually watching that display was pretty spectacular Mm. uh I think it was the same for a lot of people because straight after the Raptor, half the crowd would disappear. Uh, That actually, I must say, was quite disappointing to see. Um, When they put the Raptor out, everyone stopped. Every time it came out, it was a showstopper. Everyone stopped to look. But uh, watching the crowd stream out of the place when the air show yesterday still had so so many great acts Mm. to go after the Raptor, I must say, you know, to the crowds of Victoria, that was uh, quite disappointing to see, actually. Quite disappointing for our local performers who really put such a huge effort into uh, putting on a display for everybody. Yep, I'd agree with that but you know mate i've got to say over and above seeing the raptor which was quite an amazing thing the best thing for me about avalon aside from surviving it was uh, catching up with everyone we've had a rather large pcdu team on site for once mm-hmm. uh we caught up with a lot of old friends both on the performers level and also on the uh, ground crew caught up with a lot of people that we just don't normally get a chance to see and uh really great to uh, be able to go up and say hi and uh, catch up on where everyone's been since last we saw them be it two years ago or a year ago and it's like the old saying you know you you go for the aircraft you return for the people yep and uh yeah definitely a lot of fun to catch up with people that we haven't seen for a long time and it was really fantastic to catch up with so many of our listeners so many people that sought us out and uh, i always feel a bit uncomfortable with the rock star treatment to be honest <laughs> with you, but, uh, it was it was really great to catch up so to all of you who caught up with us and uh, for those of you who are now sporting proudly sporting a uh, brand new pcdu cap i hope you wear it with pride <laughs> yeah, and to those who didn't get one because they caught up with me after i distributed a few my apologies <laughs> for that sorry gang and also sorry that we didn't organize uh, any official meetups, tweet-ups or gatherings, but uh, there just wasn't time. Uh, we were flat out the whole way through. We thought Sunday might have been a bit of a relaxing one. Just wind down, catch a few last-minute uh, interviews. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's ever going to happen. We were flat out. Now, Grant, you talk about uh, so many members of the PCDU team uh, coming down for this coverage of Avalon. Um, I think uh, this would set a record for being the largest gathering of the uh, expanded PCDU team in the history of the program. You know, and I want to thank everybody that came down. In, in addition to you and me, of course, uh, we had Damien Rose came down from Queensland, Ben Jones, ATC Ben, Anthony Crichton Brown. It was fantastic that uh, he made uh, you know made the visit down yesterday. Uh, Anthony Simmons, wow. Anthony Simmons, boy, does he work hard. No, no views from the lounge. 
change in this series but uh, I'll tell you what he has really really worked hard he spent the entire week uh, in the uh, media centre there editing all our clips for us so that they were ready for us when we got back here to the sand pit he's uh, been our cook our chef our chief bottle washer he's uh, really put in a fantastic effort so uh, a big uh, rap there for Anthony Simmons but he did look he did look like he was having fun as he kicked back on the major size lounge inside the uh, Airbus corporate gym. yeah I think there's been some highlights unfortunately he didn't get into any B-52s this series thank goodness <sighs> yeah. for that we never heard the end of it last oh, time no 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 more of that now Alan Van Padge our mobile studio engineer he came down here and set up all the gear looked in horror at the uh, lash up that I'd done and uh, completely rewired it so uh, we want to thank Alan for that Stephen Pam from Smart Shots Photography um, our videographer our photo uh, guru boy he does a fantastic I don't know how he makes us look good on the uh, on the videos but uh, folks special have- filters yeah. special filters <laughs> there's been a lot of video content come out this week already so folks if you haven't uh, been over to the website and checked it out make sure that you do Stephen Pam uh, does a- always does a fantastic job for us we want to thank our sponsors we've had so many sponsors that have come on board and helped us with this series it's been really gratifying and uh, it's really helped us to uh, rent this facility so we could do some uh, production uh, you know off-site and uh, it's really allowed us to uh, it's really made it uh, possible for us to bring uh, basically uh, six days of 18 hour days to you that's right mate they uh, really appreciate all the uh, help they've given both in contra and in financial and you would have heard them through the course of the show at the opening start of each each daily episode also on the uh, start and end of each video we've listed everyone there and major thanks both uh, old and new really appreciate everyone who chipped in and helped make it possible now another uh, in our long list of thanks here for this Avalon series we want to thank the Royal Australian Air Force and the United States Air Force public affairs teams that have been, really been working uh, flat out um, these air shows particularly this one it's ostensibly a trade show and we have a lot of uh, military contractors here and we have a lot of military teams that come here so there's always a huge uh, military media contingent and uh, all the people that work in there just work flat out uh, dragging people like me around <laughs> or and, driving uh, us around here. yeah they didn't have to drag me uh, too hard to get on that tanker though I must say but, <clears throat> yes but uh, yeah special thanks out to um, the, the whole USAF team of course it was great once again to catch up with uh, now Master Sergeant Victoria Meyer uh, she and the um, the rest of the folks on the team really helped us out and uh, Sally Branson from the consulate uh, couldn't have done it without them and uh, especially on the RAF side definite thanks to Eamon even if he did put Steve on the tanker instead of me and I told him it was me but he seemed to have flicked that over to you and uh, of course Twinkie couldn't have done it without you thanks so much uh, drive hard drive well and don't forget the brakes <laughs> absolutely also want to put in a quick plug there for uh, Malcolm and Fletch over there at Flight Path TV they were really helpful to us uh, during this week and they even were good enough to supply some of the vision from the tanker flight uh, very difficult actually to get some good video out the little portholes there on the A330 when you've got a hornet sort of tucked right in behind the behind the wing there and uh, trying to get all those mainstream journos to get their honking big cameras out of the way that was uh, actually that was quite entertaining actually but uh, yeah so it was really uh, kind of him to uh, share that uh, video with us and you'll see some of that over the coming weeks now we also want to mention uh, Baz Sheffers who also a uh, vital part of our team he was here in his Oz Runways uh, capacity this week but uh, he spent some time with us here and he's been in a couple of the shows and doing some rappers and always provides great entertainment Baz <laughs> always some interesting political discussion and of course one of these days Baz will realise that I'm right about everything. Oh dear. Okay, and uh, finally, as we wrap up here, we uh, also want to give a big shout-out and word of thanks to Lorraine Deal from uh, Air Shows Down Under for uh, not falling over when we asked her for so many media passes and uh, supporting us here in the new media uh, sphere. It's uh, something that we do a little bit differently, something that uh, I guess more traditional media types uh, are not really used to, but uh, Lorraine was uh, very gracious to uh, let us come here, and I think uh, hopefully she's been happy with the work we've done uh, promoting uh, you know, the air show to, uh, directly to the aviation audience. That's what we're doing here, and, and uh, trying to uh, present it in a uh, positive fashion. 
Indeed. Thanks, Lorraine. Really appreciate the help. Well, that wraps up our uh, Avalon 2013 series. Thanks for all of you who've uh, downloaded the show. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for all the feedback. We'll be back soon with another normal episode of Playing Crazy Down Under. But until then, guys, just remember this. It's what's down under that counts. You have been listening to Plain Crazy Down Under's Avalon 2013 series. Look for our video coverage on our YouTube channel, YouTube slash Plain Crazy Down Under, and follow all the Avalon action on Twitter at the hashtag Avalon13. Contact us anytime with feedback, suggestions, or advertising inquiries at plaincrazydownunder at gmail.com. Plain Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies online media podcast.